listening to the Rainmaking Podcast. Hosted by high-stakes headhunter, author, and professional speaker, Scott Love. Hi, this is Scott Love, and thanks for joining me on the Rainmaking Podcast. Several years ago, I saw a speaker speak at a conference, and people still talk about how powerful his content was, and his name is Todd Cohen. Todd is the author of two books on sales culture, Everyone's in Sales and Stop Apologizing and Start Selling, as well as a regular contributor to the Philadelphia Business Journal. In 2018, Todd launched his Sales Culture Toddcast, which features exciting guests and topics. He's also a frequent guest lecturer at area schools, including Drexel University and Pennsylvania State University. I hope you get some great ideas from Todd Cohen today. Welcome to the Rainmaking Podcast. Today, my guest is Todd Cohen. He's an amazing world-class speaker. I've seen him speak before on the topic of sales. And we're lucky to have him here today. Our topic is business recovery starts with culture and people. Todd, thanks for being with me on the show today. I am thrilled to be here, Scott. Good to see you again. Absolutely. And so kind of help us get to know you. I've seen you speak before. You were highly recommended to our group when you came in and spoke a few years ago. You were amazing people. The reviews were great. People kept talking about you afterwards for months and months. So help everybody else get to know who you are. Where did you come from in your career? And how did you get to where you are today in your work as a speaker on sales? Well, let's see. Given my advanced uh, advanced state in this life, I'll see if I can keep this story short. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in the 80s, I started working for Xerox. I was uh, selling copiers and typewriters and fax machines and getting great sales training. And, I, you know, like, like a lot of people, you know, I got very hung up on title and advancement, you know, in those days in the 80s and 90s and 2000s. And I Transitioned through a couple of different worlds, managing bigger and bigger uh, sales operations, service teams, et cetera. My last, we'll call it traditional position, if you will, was with, and a lot of your audience will know this company, the mighty LexisNexis. And I was a global sales leader. And, you know, I got called into the office one day and they said something that kind of hurt my feelings and I had to leave the company. And Mm. what they said was, well, you're fired. No, I'm kidding. Of course, they didn't. (laughs) They didn't fire me, but my job was quote unquote eliminated. And now this was 2007, 2008, right before the bottom hit, right? Right. So, you know, I went into the world thinking this isn't going to be a problem. You know, the economy is still good. And well, we all, we all know what the rest of that story was. Right. So I transitioned into this business. That's great. And you've been busy too. You've done gigs all over the country, right? Yeah, I have. I've been very, very, very blessed. I do, well, in a normal year, let me just say a normal year when people are actually in the same room together. You know, worldwide, I do somewhere between 80 and 90 keynotes, workshops, and a little bit of consulting, you know, in a given year on average. Right. And so you kept in touch with a lot of your clients and talking with various sales types businesses during the crisis. Well, you know, it's interesting. I have. Yeah. If we're talking about this crisis, of course, yes. You know, the secret to anything is, you know, I love it when people say, oh, I have the secret of sales. And, you know, there is no secret. It's somebody who's just trying to repackage what we all already know, which is, you know, really relationships. And I tend to take it a little bit further. I, you know, I think of sales, not as sales training, because I don't really do sales training per se. I do uh, the other side of it, sales culture. In other words, you know, people, especially now, if we can redefine what selling is, which at its, you know, the common denominator is still building a relationship and being patient. That's what I'm doing now. I'm practicing what I preach. And 
as a result, my clients are listening to me to the suggestions I'm saying, look, I know we can't get together live. Right. However, how about a video series, you know, or something or a podcast, just like you're doing here. So you have to want to stay on their radar screens. I like what you said. You have to want to stay on their radar screens. So so let's kind of look at, talk about sales. And depending on the people listening, some people would take that and call it client development. Sales might be too much of a potent word. It might be just something they're not comfortable with. So we'll call it client development. Basically, what we're trying to do is get people to be in a position where they trust us and they take our recommendations and they hire us for whatever the kind of work is that we're doing. Well, that's absolutely correct. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. At the end of the day, the end result still is revenue. That's right. Absolutely right. So with this crisis, what do you think that those people listening, what are they facing to get started again? And this has affected people in different ways. Overall, it's hurt, I think, most people economically. There are some people that have found pockets of opportunity. My own personal opinion is that when the pie gets smaller, remember that there's still a pie, that somebody's going to get the business. And this has forced a lot of organizations to really go deep and reassess their value propositions and come up with whole new strategies. So what do you think that the person listening to this show is facing right now to get started again? Well, I mean, it's a great question. And, you know, honestly, we would need probably 50 podcasts to really go through, you know, the psychology, you know, on this and, and the whole, you know, the whole piece of just wanting to get up every morning and deal with this day in and day out, because let's face it, it is so draining. And that is actually part of my answer. Look, you mentioned a moment ago that the word sales is so charged for people. Of course it is. So we hide it by calling client development or business development or revenue activation. That's one I heard recently. I almost spit my coffee out when I heard it (laughs) because it's, it's so silly. The reality of it is the people who are now saying, look, we have to redefine sales and suck it up and say, we have to go out and sell. That's the first thing right now. In other words, in this pandemic, just like any sort of downturn, right, whether it be financial, a health pandemic, doesn't matter what it is, people tend to become complacent. They tend to become scared. It takes a lot more to get them out of their, if you will, silo, right? Mm. And that complacency is what we have to be most on guard for right now. You know, the people listening to your podcast, just like my clients, people in the professional services industry, lawyers and accountants and, you know, consultants and so forth and so on, now is absolutely the best possible time to be engaging people and not quote unquote selling, but as I call it, giving till it hurts. In other words, we have to stay on people's windshield. Scott, what's happening right now, and I recently wrote something to this effect, is people really don't have the capacity to listen to your offering, listen to what you have to say, the way they might have heard you six or nine months or a year ago. Right now, so many people are just trying to figure out, hey, how do I hang on, right? Right, right. So so Scott, what they need is our ability as an attorney, as an accountant, to redefine selling. So I'm not selling you and it doesn't scare people. We have to redefine that as I'm showing my humanity. What I'm saying is, Call me, talk to me. I'm a resource. I'm a safe place. I got a big heart. I'm ready to show it to you. And you know what? I don't see you as a dollar sign. That's great. And that takes maturity and patience. And that is in short supply. So it really is a very, very, very challenging time right now. You know, this is interesting. I've actually written about four or five key bullet points of what you mentioned that I want to go over with you. I like what you said. Now is the best time 
to be engaging people and doing it until it hurts. And I think this is the paradox of somebody who is exceptionally powerful in the process of sales, or you could call them whoever is a very good revenue activation technician. (laughs) A revenue activation technician. Right, right, right. (laughs) I cracked myself up, Todd. They're they're the rats, the revenue activation technician. Yeah, I mean, I took my car in for service and he said, I'm the revenue activation technician. I (laughs) think. I said, what's all that grease on your hands? And he said, oh, well, I'm also fixing your car. I said, okay. (laughs) And by the way, that's what I mean when I say everyone's in sales. Yeah, right. (laughs) You're absolutely right. So those people, and I had a conversation with another person, we're talking about the character qualities of people who are in sales. And I said, it has to be selfless. Mm -hmm. And what do you mean? It's all about closing, closing. Like, well, you have to, and this is what I tell partners when I recruit them. I say, my job is to align your intrinsic motivations so it intersects with law firm strategy. It has to be a mutual satisfaction of needs between you and them. The only way I can get what I want is by helping you and my client get what they want. So it has to have that selflessness. And I think when you set it up that way so that the byproduct is revenue, where they're going to choose to work with you because of the value. And this is one thing I've seen so many speakers in different industries. Sadly, they would be selling life preservers to drowning people. You know, what happens in this time, just like it happened in 2008, is when panic sets in, that actually ratchets up bad behavior in people who aren't, or I should say, people who don't have a high degree of emotional intelligence, right? And I'm a big, big, big fan of uh, EQ and everything that that stands for. And right now, people will buy from, so, you know, let me back up for a sec. There's plenty of business out there. Business hasn't ground to a halt in lots and lots of segments, it has definitely changed, right? Right, right. So so as a keynote speaker, yes, I lost, oh goodness, in one four-day period, Scott, I lost 80% of my live booked gigs for this year. Wow. But guess what? They still have that money. Now, will they be allocating the money the same way? Well, that's up for me to find out. It's also up for me to help my clients understand that there are lots of ways to get things done, which is the same message I would deliver to your constituency as well. I want to get back to something, if I could, when I talked about giving till it hurts, because I think you were, you know, we're saying the same thing here. You know, what we learned in 2008 is the same thing we should be activating right now. It's like Groundhog Day all over again, right? We've gone from a strong economy to mass unemployment, an economy arguably in shambles. And, you know, we're hearing it's not going to come back for four years, three to four Mm -hmm. years to the level it was. So what do you do? We have to completely switch and change gears. I hate that word pivot. I swear I never want to hear it again. And what we have to do now is be in a position to be a resource, to give and give and give. So what I do, for example, I write, I do my, I call it a Toddcast. I don't do it nearly to the level. that's great. You do. I write, I'm publishing, I'm putting free content out there. I'm running free virtual keynote sessions. I'm doing everything I can to stay on people's radar screen because I have a core belief that selling isn't the hard press. Selling is about behavior mindset and giving. To your point a moment ago, it's got to be mutually beneficial. If people can just step back and take a breath and say, wait a minute, there is business out there and not but, and I have to go at it differently. I actually have to come out of my own comfort zone. Amazing things absolutely can happen. This is great. Selling is about behavior, 
mindset and giving. I love it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Anybody who, who is right now, again, ratcheting up their high pressure, stereotypical negativity, negative sort of sales thinking right now, right? In other words, you're going to lose because people will remember you when this is over, that you weren't a resource. They'll remember that you were a screw. They will remember it. When this is over, guess what? They're going to be looking for the people who are resources for them. Yeah, you're that's, absolutely right. that's the key. And that's something, that is a common theme. And, and this particular version of this podcast was birthed through the crisis for that reason. Yes. And it had been dormant for several years. A lot of people listened to it. I thought, well, let me put some free content that's going to help them. Absolutely. You're doing absolutely the right thing. You're, I mean, there's so many podcasts out there right now, right. right? Good. Listen to all of them because everybody has at least one thing to say that you can take away. That's right. And, and the common theme, since we've been interviewing people, people that are successful about that like you, they understand client development and their thought leaders in it. And like you, you're not just a thought leader, Todd, you're an action leader. You know, you're actually doing things. Thank you. And that's the common theme is that they said that you've got to be a giver. You've got to give. And I think for those that are in a profession where your job isn't to pick up and start cold calling people, let's say like a lot of lawyers that I I talk to, this is a good time to put content out. Absolutely. Yeah. And like, like what you said. Yeah, it's, it, and there's so much more opportunity than putting content out. For example, in the first three weeks of this, I sent an email to my entire client base. Uh, I don't know, I have seven or 8,000, I don't even know the number, on my, my newsletter list. And, and the message was very simple. How are you doing? Period. Well, question mark. <laughs> I'm not a grammar guy. Uh, married to a lawyer. She's a grammar person. I am not. I'm a speaker, not a writer. <laughs> but anyhow, how are you doing? What do you need? What can I do? I have lots of content that I'm willing to just give you. Tell me what you want to hear. And the response I got from that, because I have tons and tons of archive content from over the years. Uh, Scott, some behind was, you know, some was behind a paywall. I just took the paywall down. I don't care because I'm not going to quibble over a few bucks for the future of my career. And that's the mistake that people are making right now. They're panicking over today's couple of bucks. I am in the same financial straits in some cases worse than anybody else out there, right? right. I lost my business, my 12-year business, mm-hmm. literally overnight. And guess what? It'll be there when it's, and it'll come back. Right. So let me, let me ask you this, kind of going back to what you mentioned before, you talked about sales culture. What does that mean? What would be a definition of sales culture? Absolutely. So that really is my mantra. That's been my theme. That's been my passion. That's been my core expertise for all of these years, the 12 years I've been doing this. Sales culture means everyone's in sales. It means in an organization, nobody gets the right to say, I'm just the. It means in an organization, on a very positive note, everybody does something that influences the client's ultimate decision to say yes. I don't care if you're in accounting, you're in HR, you're in operations, you're in finance, you're a frontline practitioner. Nobody can get the job done by themselves. It's like a Rubik's cube, an unsolved Rubik's cube. Sales culture is how organizations will thrive because right now, right now, the best currency an organization has is people and the organization, right? People and culture. And nobody wakes up in the morning and says, I'm proud to be overhead, right? People, (laughs) you know, people want to know how they matter and how do they matter? We draw a bridge for them every single day. We create a culture that says, listen, you may not realize it, but a month ago when you did this, it helped this happen, which enabled this action. And today a customer said yes to us. 
And guess what? You had a part in that sales chain. You're in sales. You know, I think that's a concept that a lot of people may miss. And what's absolutely. And I've seen this in the legal community because they do have a desire to kind of not see themselves as salespeople. And you can call it what you want, but there is one firm, a top 50 firm, maybe it's a top 100 firm. I remember they had a chief sales officer Mm -hmm. and that was different than marketing. And his job, he came from professional services from a big accounting firm. His job was to work with the partners to help them on their strategy. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of my close friends, Cole Silver, he's the chief client development officer at Blank Rome. And he works with partners and the firm to really have that that contact in getting business from their clients. So I think some high-level professional services firms have really adopted that. They might use a different language for that. But one thing, and there was one sales speaker and trainer I'd known years ago before he passed away. Do you remember Bill Brooks? Had you ever heard of him before? You no, know, I heard the name, but I'm not familiar with his book. Well, he wrote a book and his company's still around. His kids run it and uh, he lived in Greensboro, North Carolina at the time I lived in Asheville. And I would go to his office and hang out. And he was a very good mentor when I was really starting my sales and recruiter training company. And he wrote this book and he was talking about how you look at marketing and there's an arrow, marketing leads to sales and there's an arrow which leads to customer service. And I told him, I said, that's a great cycle, but what about the cycle of customer service leading back to marketing? And he said, what do you mean? I says, that's where people make decisions. And it was almost like for him, it was an aha moment that uh, you have a transaction with the car dealership and how they service your car. That affects your decision to buy that same car later on. Everybody is in sales, whether we like it or not. And people sometimes say to me, well, that's just good customer service. And I am absolutely adamant when I say no. Customer service is one component of an organization. You know, when I talk about sales being a mindset and behaviors, you know, we have to come to work every day understanding that everything we do creates a selling moment. You know, the way I show up, the way I uh, dress, the way I do I make eye contact with you, do I greet you with a smile? Now, we may all think that's just basic customer service. No, that is all selling. You see, people make a buying decision before we ever say a word. So I've seen far too many people in this industry who try to, I guess the expression is buffalo their way through it and say, look, I'm the smartest guy in the room. Therefore, you're going to buy from me. And I can't even express to you what a death rattle of an attitude that is. Right. Because there's an awful lot of smart people out there. And there's an, look, you know, I have an IP attorney. I could choose 20 right in my backyard. Right. Right. The list goes on about how we want to redefine how we're selling. Absolutely right. And I like it when you say that people and culture are currency. Yeah, uh, that's a real that's a real kinesthetic <sighs> mindset. That's a that's a good way to look at that. That yeah. Yeah. if you develop your people, if you improve the culture, the revenue is going to take care of itself. Absolutely. Look, as I said a moment ago, people I believe passionately want to understand why they make a difference, how they contribute, you know, and look, when I was at LexisNexis, the last project I did myself and my colleagues before we were all given the door, given the boot, as it were, jobs were eliminated. We actually did a skinnied down version of sales training for every non-salesperson in the company. And I have to tell you, it was such a wake-up call for me because they were coming up to us and saying, I had no idea how important my contribution was. Wait a minute. I really do make a difference. Wait, hold on for a second. I'm having these kind of conversations all the time. Aren't these sales moments? And literally, 
the biggest gift I ever got was when LexisNexis, much to their detriment, of course, let me go. And uh, I, I was able to start this business. And, you know, as I said, people don't wake up and say, I hope today I don't matter. Please, today's <laughs> the day. You know, absolutely, I live to be irrelevant. They want to know how they matter. Everyone does something that influences the customer. That's sales. That's a sales culture. That's the hallmark of successful companies. And that's what I teach. Let me ask you this. From your experience, you probably come across organizations that are hesitant to adopt that sort of mindset. And I, and I know it, I can hear it in my mind now. I, just yesterday, I had two calls with top 50 firms. With their, one of them was with the chairman, the other one was the manager over a region where it's a priority. And, and both of these are very good firms. But I know if I said, you've got to change your culture to a sales culture, they kind of cringe. Mm-hmm. They would kind of cringe, but they would get the idea mm-hmm. that we need to look at this from a revenue activation t- technician. You know, Everybody has to have it because they know it's all about the book. And I don't want to sound crass or, or it's jaded, true. but, but it's, it's true. Business. It's it business. is what it is. I mean, yeah. look, if I thought that I could sell with my good looks, you know, I'd be, <laughs> I, you know, but unfortunately with my face, you know, I'd be giving people money. But look. <laughs> <laughs> so why, why the hang up then? Why the hang up and what to do about that with yeah, organizations that, that, that just aren't going to take that S word of sales yeah. and incorporate that. It's a great question. So the answer is not an easy answer, but it is an answer that can uh, be implemented. We have to start at the root level and redefine what sales means. Okay. Because right now, the reason why people don't, don't like the word sales, they don't like the word selling. They, they think it's bad. They think it's anathema. They think it's evil because of the stereotype attached to it. Look, think about the movies we've seen, right? Tin Man and Boiler Room and, right. and Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. I mean, the list goes on, right? Think about all of our own personal experiences with a bad salesperson. Happens all the time. So people don't like to be sold. Guess what? That's fine. Great. Got it. Me neither. And we're all selling regardless because we all have goals to achieve. So we, what I do with, for example, accounting firms, law firms, whatever, is I hit this head on and we redefine sales. If we can redefine what selling is right, up front, right. and I have a whole keynote and workshop just on this, then all of a sudden what I've seen in my practice and happens every time is people say, wait a minute, I get it. Like... <laughs> wait a minute, you're right. Sales isn't that blankety blank calling me, trying to sell me that cheap stock. Guess what? I don't like that guy either. Okay. I rail against those people. I go out of my way to say that is not sales. That is bad sales training. That is sales stereotype. The kind that we all have been trained to believe is what sales is. We have to redefine it. That's where it starts. So Firms that are progressive, firms that actually want to take a shot at being around five and 10 years from now are listening to me. Those who aren't, you know, when you're one rainmaker in a firm of 100 and, you know, you have the one person who's, you know, doing it all is about to retire, good luck. And that's where it begins or ends quickly. Right. Absolutely. Let me ask you this then, kind of tell the people listening today, what's the menu of offerings that you have? Because I think you can solve some pretty big problems within large organizations, Todd. Well, thank what, you. Uh, what is it that you do? Uh, I know you have a kind of a menu of offerings. Tell us about those. Tell us about sure some do. of the books you've written. And yeah. we'll put all of your links on our show notes. Yep. No, I appreciate it. So pretty straightforward. You know, main stage keynote speaker. I do, you know, from the perspective of an accounting firm or a law firm or a professional services firm, 
you know, firm-wide retreats, leadership retreats, I come on a stage and I talk about building a sales culture. And I talk in very candid, frank, and humorous ways. And I relate it to very personal stories. And it makes sense to people. So, you know, I guess about 60% of my business, Scott, is keynote speaking, mm-hmm. right? Then the balance of the business, well, I don't know, say 35% of it are do, then doing follow-on workshops. So I have legal clients and accounting. I keep coming back to legal and accounting because it's the most identifiable, you know, to probably your audience, but really any professional service organization where I do workshops half a day, two days, one day, whatever we decide on because all my content is modular where we really dig in in a hands-on case study. This is what selling is and isn't experience. And people come out of that. And if they then engage me to do the follow-on coaching individually, one-on-one, then what we do is I show people, and I've done this repeatedly, is I take people who are like, I don't know why I'm in this room to, I know how to sell. I've been doing it all along. (laughs) And you you see, for me, that's my victory sign, right? Right. I, I mean, we don't have time to go into it, but I've had people that are so unbelievably skeptical and negative and borderline rude who have turned out to be my biggest advocates because, right. because you know what it is? They come into my workshop defensive because they don't want to be taught how to sell because of the stereotype. Right. So my job is to break through that. And then the other thing I do is I do a little bit of consulting. I work with organizations and individuals, some coaching on a very limited basis because I only take on coaching clients, uh, people who are really committed to making a change. And I do very finite coaching. So if I take somebody on and I'm pretty picky about who I take on, it's six months to a year maximum. I'm not interested in, you know, financing my second home, you know, on the back of somebody, you know, perpetually being on my couch as it were. (laughs) So, you know, that's not happening. And then I've written a couple of books, everyone's in sales and then stop apologizing and start selling. So I keep busy. I keep busy. Well, we're going to put all of your links on our show notes and uh, let's kind of summarize everything in three action steps. What are three action steps people listening to this can take today to kind of get started on some of the concepts that you mentioned? Yeah, absolutely. So right now in the pandemic, first action step is we need to focus on our presence. We need to make a decision about how we're showing up every single day. If you show up understanding that people are making a buying decision on you based on how you're showing up, the energy that you put out, whether you're coming across as arrogant or knowledgeable or approachable, Those are all very big things. We all know as consumers, we see somebody and immediately we make a decision. That's just who we are as human beings. So the sale truly begins before we say a word. And I have a whole keynote and workshop just on this. That's great. Focus on our presence. Yeah. And then the second thing is we have to be, not be afraid to ask, you know, people, people become what I call the sales apologist. They do everything right. And then at the 11th hour, when they've earned the right to ask, you know, the client, the customer, the prospect is ready to go and they get that lump in their throat. Right. And because they're just afraid to ask because of some mythical, you know, fear of, I don't want to be rejected. I don't want to hear no. So it's better not to know the answer. We need to get past that now more than ever. You've earned the right to ask, ask for something. In other words, never leave a conversation empty-handed. Don't ever abdicate the moment. And they want to do that. They will thank you when you ask. Absolutely. I have clients who have said to me, I have one client who said to me very recently, all right, Todd, I know what you do, 
but I've got a case of head trash. I still laugh when I hear that because what he was saying to me was, I've got too much coming at me right now in this pandemic. Help me sort through it. Well, we did. And I said, great. Now, when are we going to, let's get moving on this. And his response was, yes, send me a contract. I mean, I didn't even literally have to ask, right? In other words, make it easy. And then the other thing I would say, and I hope your audience will take this in the right light, get over yourself, right? Mm -hmm. People absolutely are not responding to the pressure to buy from you or hire you or engage you because you keep reminding me how smart or how brilliant or how how skilled you are. Guess what? Don't care. I'm trying to keep my lights on right now. Show me, show me that you are somebody that actually has my back. Don't dazzle me with your brilliance. You know, be somebody who's willing to show your humanity. And that leads into, I'll give you a bonus, the fourth one. Mm-hmm. Patience is profitable. Be patient. Be patient. If you try to jam somebody up, you may get the business, but you will not ever repeat that business with that client. This is great, Todd. I'm really glad to have had you on here. People are going to benefit from this. And I'd encourage everybody listening to reach out to Todd at the very minimum. We'll put your Amazon links for your books on there. Order one of your books. Start learning some of your content that way. Yep. Actually, I'd love it if you come to my website to get the books because that way I actually sign them. And oh, that's great. Yeah. Which, well, which some would argue is devalues it, but I'll be happy to autograph <laughs> it if you get it from my website. That's great. Well, that your signature itself is its own currency, Todd. I don't so, know about that. You know, my wife doesn't <laughs> seem to think so, but that's all right. Well, we'll put that link on the show notes as well. And thank you so much again, Todd. Thank I look you. forward to having you back on the show. Scott, thanks so much for having me. It's been a hoot. Thank you for listening to the Rainmaking Podcast. For more information about our recruiting services for international law firms, visit our website at attorneysearchgroup.com. To inquire about having Scott speak at your next convention, conference, sales meeting, or executive retreat, visit therainmakingpodcast.com. Rainmaking Podcast.